Thank you, musicians, singers. We appreciate you this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn them to the book of James chapter 3? James chapter 3, we're going to read the first 12 verses. I want to preach a message I've entitled Speech Control. Alex Uwaji, who wrote a book called Taming the Tongue, The Power of Spoken Words, said, The way you use and choose words defines who you are. How you use words touches you as well as those around you. Without really thinking about it, you can change another's thoughts, beliefs, and actions by using the power of words. There's something about the power of words. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so we see the dual purpose or the dual dynamic of the power of words, that death is in the power of the tongue, and life is in the power of the tongue. Both of these are in play, and both of these are a dynamic that comes uh, from our words, and there is a power that comes uh, from our words. I remember this old BG song called Words. They're only words. Words are all I have to take your love away. So, or win your love or something like that. I'm trying to remember. Preach at the same time. Trying try to remember and preach at the same time is sometimes dangerous. Alex Uwaji again says, the words you say may have a huge effect on other people, but they also affect you too. The words that come out of your mouth go into your ears, as well as anyone else listening. Those words sink into your personality and play a part on your mood. This is why, and we, I preached on this recently, when God called Jeremiah to prophesy, to his people in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 1, 6, and 7, he said, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. And what God was telling Jeremiah is, Do not say this about yourself. So our words don't just affect other people. Our negative words don't just affect other people. They affect ourselves. You ever done something and said, man, you're stupid. Why'd you do that? God says, don't do that. Don't say that. We feel that. I mean, we often feel dumb at times for saying something dumb or doing something dumb. But God says, don't speak to me because there's something about words bring a spirit to things. And so it's always good to Remind us of these things. I know some of you, I'm going to read something that's not unfamiliar to you, very common portion of Scripture, but it's good as a review, as we talked about in Sunday school, a reminder to remind you of these things, and and that way God can help us. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and that they may obey us, and we turn the, their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. 
Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and, and creature of the sea is, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear frigs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So James takes this uh, moment, and uh, he's talking about teachers, but it's almost like he just like, he like goes off. He thinks about, uh, you know, he thinks about different things. He says in verse 2, he says, uh, for we all stumble in many things. That's a good launching point for this sermon. We all stumble in many things. A good self-evaluation is really good for you in your life. If you think you're perfect, you got it all together, well, this scripture should say, we all stumble in many things, that we all blow it at times. But he says, if anyone doesn't stumble in word, then he is a perfect man. And so he's talking about paying attention to how common it is, uh, if we stumble in many areas, uh, how common it is uh, for us to stumble in our speech. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Quiet in here today already. Man, I just got started. Hallelujah. Everybody's like, uh-oh. Let's look at some things he says. Controlling what we say is important in controlling other areas of our lives. In verses 2 through 4, he says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. You know, if you can control what you say, you have the greatest, greater capacity to control other areas of your life. Because what you speak is bringing a spirit to other people, and it's bringing a spirit to yourself. It's controlling the direction of your life. What was that old saying by, by Henry Ford? He says, if you think you can't, or you think you can, you're right. There's something about speaking things that I think I can do this. You know, God can help me through this. Uh, I can never do that. There's no way I can do that. Whatever you think, you know, whatever you think you can, whatever you think you can't, you're right. And so speaking that many times, uh, it takes on a dynamic and a power. And big things are controlled by what we speak. He talks about the horse, that you can turn that horse wherever you want it to go. He talks about a big ship in the ocean, how it has a very small rudder, but that rudder actually, you know, directs the course of that ship, even though there's fierce winds blowing against it. I was driving before Pastor Warner. I drove him to a lot of his appointments and different things when I was on staff in Tucson, 
And we listened to a podcast on Christianity Today. You can, anybody can call this up if you ever want to listen to it. I think it's about 12, uh, 12 sessions. Um, but it's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it's about Pastor Mark Driscoll, who had a thriving church in Seattle, was planting churches all over the place, had real revival. Listen, I've been in Seattle. I pastored there for two years. If you have revival in Seattle, that's, that's saying something, man. I'm telling you that the, the Northwest is not an easy place to, for Christianity. It's the most unchurched state in the United States. Uh, and many of you see the news, the dynamics of the, uh, of the policies and different things there. It is really a hard ground for the gospel. God gave him dominion, and God gave him just real, uh, a real move of God there. But the thing that sunk his church, and pretty much that whole movement has been shuttered. There's some little, there's some little residual things of it, was, was his temper. And they have recordings of him cussing people out and different things. And this is the leader of a, of a movement. But because he could not control his temper... And could not control his tongue. And there's other things involved, but it sunk that movement. And listening to those different podcasts, it all boils down to his, his speech. He couldn't get a hold of his speech. There was a man that was in the Tucson church. He had been there many years. And he'd been married, had two children. He had constant substance abuse problems and addictions wound up cheating on his wife. And so the time came where she decided to, you know, this has been repetitive after year after year after she made a decision to divorce him. But what she told him, I'll never forget the words that she told him because she said, I can forgive the addictions. I can even forgive the adultery. But the thing I can't move past is your years of harsh and unkind words towards me. So think about that, the power of words. She said, I can forgive your addictions and lying to me. I can forgive you cheating on me. But you, because, because these things are happening, plus these words that you've spoken to me over the years, I just can't move past that. That's the power of words. See, one of the biggest lies that's been perpetuated throughout the generations is, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the biggest lie that has ever been told. Because you can break a bone and it can get back to normal. You put it in a cast and, and you know, it can get back. Sometimes it even becomes, the bone becomes stronger than it was before. But words can sink down into a person's spirit. Proverbs 23, 15 and 16. Solomon wrote to his son, My son, if your heart is wise... My heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. And so he's looking at his son. He said, listen, if you speak right things, it affects me on the inside. There's a joy in my heart when I know you're speaking right things. And it's also, there's something about the inmost uh, part of a person that when words are spoken against them in bitterness or anger, there's something about that that sinks deep into the other person. You know, when a parent, a teacher, a coach, a, a spouse, uh, or authority figure speaks uh, into people's lives, they can sink into that person's spirit. They can begin to uh, fulfill the words that have been spoken over them. You're never going to amount to anything. Word curses being placed upon their lives. Verse 8 of our text says, But no man can tame the tongue. 
It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That's a powerful statement. Full of deadly poison. Interesting companion scripture to that, Romans 3, 10 through 14. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. What does that mean? that the tongue is full of deadly poison, the poison of asps is under their list. Have you ever talked to somebody and like you walked away from that conversation and you just kind of felt changed? Let, let me just put something else out. <clears throat> Have you ever had a view of somebody that was maybe benign or indifferent, maybe you didn't know them, but somebody comes along and says, well, you know how they are, they're this. And they begin to tell you something about that person negatively, and then all of a sudden, the way you viewed that person before has been changed. You don't view them with the same, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't know they were that way. I didn't realize that's the way they were. Why is it? Because you've been, you've been bitten. You've been poisoned against that person. That's the power of words. This is, what, this is biblical. This is what the Bible says, the poison of ass, deadly poison. Poison can make you delirious. Loss of energy cause you to hallucinate. Proverbs 12, 17 and 18, He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. And so there are people who speak like the piercing of a sword. Verses 5 and 6 of our text. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. How do riots get started? Riots get started by words. We need to do this. We need to take control. You know, so sometimes, listen, sometimes protests are about, but listen, a lot of things that are set on fire are set on fire by words. Gossip, lies. There's one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. You ever met somebody with an acid tongue? Call an acid tongue. Somebody said a lie gets up and makes its way around the world before truth can put its pants on. How many know that's true? People love lies. And the truth is, is that we cannot take back what we speak. You know, we were kids, and we'd be saying something. We, we had this thing. I don't know if they used to do it anymore, but we'd say, take it back. Take it back. You ever do that? You better take that back. Okay, I take it back, man. I'm sorry. But I mean, no, you really can't take it back when you speak something. When you speak something critical, because it's a, re it's a revelation of your heart towards that person. It's a revelation of the way you feel. And you're loosing that spirit upon that person. The philosopher Horace said, a word once uttered can never be recalled. 
And so you can say, hey, I'm sorry. And, you know, they can be forgiven. But listen, there's something about when you, there's a dynamic, when you release words, uh, there's a part of that can, that can never be retrieved. Jeremiah 9, 7 and 8 says, For how shall I deal with the daughter of my people? Their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peacefully to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart he lies in wait. Their tongue is an arrow shot out. You know, he said it's something that, that people are speaking things against people. You can't, you can't retrieve the, the, the spent arrow. I'm going to look next at changing our speech. One of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life is to change the way you speak. This is what James is saying. He said, man, this thing is, he says, verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil. Now listen, this isn't written to the sinners. This is written to the church. Okay, he's not writing to, you know, I think I'll write a letter about the tongue to those sinners down the marketplace. No, he's writing to the church. He's writing to God's people. Changing our speech. Verse 4 says, Look at also at ships. They are so large and driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned by very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Some about our words. How many of you know there's fierce winds that blow through all of us? And we like to give voice to those fierce winds. But it says that our tongue can take those fierce winds and turn them in a different direction. Marriages. You get into a fight. Okay, none of you fight, but my wife and I fight. So this, I'm preaching to us this morning, okay? There is a point in a heated argument where you're thinking, you said that? I could drive a truck right through that argument. I can't wait till you know, oh, I've got, oh, you said, okay. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, you just set me up, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll that bowling ball down the aisle. And it's going to be a strike. And then God says, don't say it. But God is so good. It's so good, God. It's such a good argument. How can you tell me? It's a fire shut up in my bosom. I have to let it out. <laughs> Holy Spirit says, don't say it. I know you think you're right, but don't say it. How often do we listen to that still, small voice? I'm not saying you don't ever argue or, or you know, let you know, vent your feelings in a, in a marriage is a place for that if you do it in a right spirit, in a right way. But sometimes, right in the middle of a marriage conflict, God will say, do not say that. Do not go there. Do you obey God? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it fly, man. That's what James is saying. No man can tame. We, 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 we want to, but we just, sometimes we can't. That, it, that, that it's a default in human nature. This is why David said in Psalm 141.3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Why does he say, God, I need a filter. I need to be careful about what I say. David said, Not everything I think or feel is supposed to come out of my mouth. That's a revelation for some people right there. Oh, I just, I just tell like it is. I'm just keeping it real. Just keeping it real. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool fence all of his feelings, but a wise man holds him back. 
So just because you feel something or think something, even if you think it's right, doesn't mean you have to say it. Because what's, it, what's going to be the outcome? Is that going to be edifying to people? Even if it's the truth. Is it going to edify that person? Is it going to edify the situation? Or is it going to harm? This is why this is something we have to really pay close attention to as believers. You know, people think, well, I can go off on people. I can say no lightning bolts from heaven, so it must be okay. It's not okay. Peter's a good example of this. Our feelings, no matter how well-intentioned, can be wrong. That's a revelation for some people, too. If your feelings are the guide of your life, you're in for a lot of trouble. Peter's a great example. Matthew 16, most of you know the story where Jesus asked the disciples, but who do you say that I am? Matthew 16, 15 through 17, but he said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I'm sure Peter's point, he's probably patting himself on the back, man. He's probably pointing. See that other disciple? See what he said about me? I got revelation, guys. Better stay away from me, you know. Come to me for counsel. I'll help you out. Right after that happens, in Matthew 16, 21 through 23, it says, this is just uh, four verses later. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You know what? You got a lot of, uh, to, to, to rebuke Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this thing shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Here's the thing we need to see. Peter was a dedicated disciple that was following Jesus Christ. And almost in the same conversation, Jesus said he was blessed for the revelation that he, that he was given but he also called him a devil for some things that he spoke. So you can be saved, full of the Holy Ghost, love God with all your heart, be faithful to church, and sometimes Satan can be using your words. I'll let that sink in for a minute. This is, this is Peter, okay? He had revelation. He followed Jesus. He was dedicated. And so sometimes uh, we need to understand this. This is our vulnerability, folks, what we speak. Don't think you can just, just throw things out there. Gossip. Criticize. And think, oh, it's okay. No lightning bolts. I still feel the Holy Spirit. I'm okay. Doesn't, doesn't mean you know, the Satan can be using your words. You can still be saved on your way to heaven. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about Satan grabbing a hold of your tongue and using it for destruction to other people. Jesus rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. 
Having a good time this morning? Praise God. Verses 9 and 10. If we, with it, we bless our God. Let me back up to verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, with whom, with, with, and with it, we curse men who have been, been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. He says, you've got two things coming out of your mouth. He goes on later, uh, verse 11 and 12. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, uh, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. He said, listen, you can't have both these things operating uh, out of the gateway of your mouth. Matthew 12, 35 through 37 says, A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You know what's interesting what Jesus says? It says every idle word. Words spoken in leisure. Words spoken in, you know, conversations away from church. Words spoken in little groups. Jesus said every idle word, every offhanded comment, he said, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. That's a scary thought. That we're not just stewards of our money. We are stewards of our words. Matthew 5, 21 and 22 in the New Living Translation says, You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot you are in danger of being brought before the court. If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, your words about other people determine a lot about your relationship with God. If you call someone an idiot, you ever call another believer an idiot? I imagine that's happened. I've done it. I haven't done it recently, okay? I'm growing in the Lord. But I'm just saying, how do you know? We can, we, can, we can just let things fly, man. What's wrong with that guy? What's wrong with that person? They're such a jerk. You say, hey, you better watch it right here. Something, there's something that, see, words are determination of what's going on in your heart. want to end talking about speech that brings life. Got to redeem this thing. Our speech contributes to our destiny. As they said in the bits and horses' mouths, that we, they may obey us and can return their whole body. Ships that are so large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder. Wherever that, you know, wherever that pilot desires, he can guide that big old ship by the little rudder. Psalm 37, verses 30 and 31 the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. So it's talking about what you speak can make none of your steps slide. 
that there's something about speaking right words that can determine the course and the destiny of your life. I'm not talking about positive speaking, you know. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. I'm going, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about some PMA, positive mental attitude thing that's going to, you know, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about something spiritual in the Word of God. I mean, the world takes a hold of this and just to, you know, think and grow rich. Isn't that, isn't that the name of a book or something? Think and grow rich and all these different speak and grow rich. And, and, and even in the Christian, uh, Christian world, there's the uh, blab it and grab it, right? Blab it and grab it. You know, just, just speak a blessing of God. You're going to get rich. And, and all this. But listen, there's, a, there's more than just uh, riches uh, that are in, you know, numerical. There's the riches of the kingdom of God. What you speak uh, can determine the course of your life. Proverbs 10, 19 through 21 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The lips of the righteous feed many. You know, you can speak to somebody's life and change them. You you know, I remember being a young convert, struggling in my early days of salvation, and somebody from church would come to me and just speak something, encouraging word. Hey, you're going to make it. It's going to be all right. Just keep coming. God's going to help you. And I knew that they were doing it from a sincere heart. And there's, in my mind, I'm like, man, I don't think, you know, this is my last service. You know, after this, man, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and, you know, do my thing. Because somebody speaks a word at a critical time in your life. The lips of the righteous feed many. What are you using your words for? Are you using your words to feed other people? Young converts? People coming back to God after backsliding? What are you speaking to them? Proverbs 15, 23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. You ever had somebody say something to you at a critical time in your life? Have you ever many times, and probably everybody's here had this, uh, you heard a sermon at a certain time in your life, and it just changed everything. You're just, your head is swirling, you can't figure things. Oh, that's what God's talking about. Oh, I get it now. A word spoken in due season. How good it is. How good it is, whether it's a sermon or whether it's somebody, another saint speaking into your life, man, you don't know how badly I need. Have you ever heard somebody say that? You don't know how bad I just needed to hear what you told me. How many times have you ever heard that? Have you heard that? I hope you've heard that at some point in your life. You don't know how bad what you just told me I needed to hear. A word spoken in this season, how good it is. Alex Uwaji says, what you may not realize is that words you say and the words you hear from others have the power to change your entire life. By comparison, you can change a person's life for the better with words. Your choice of words can build confidence and self-esteem. Your words have the power to make someone laugh or brighten their day. 
Your words can educate, educate someone in such a way that brightens their understanding of a subject. Uh, your words can let someone know you're grateful for their efforts or thankful for their love and support. Words can make all the difference in somebody's life. Just appreciating somebody. I mean, you know, sometimes people, they labor hard, they do things, and with a lot, not a lot of appreciation. Hey, I appreciate what you do. I thank you for your labors. See, changing our speech will take work, but the results are worth it. This is a struggle we all have. I have it. I've had this sermon for about three months, <laughs> but I couldn't preach it because my heart wasn't right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's been simmering all this time. It's because I have to check my own heart. Because I could preach this sermon with, in a different spirit. Okay? Well, you know what? Gossip. You know? All you people lying, all you people gossiping. Let's make a line right now. Gonna cast that demon out of you. Said, God, make sure your heart's right before you preach something like this. Ephesians 4, 29 through 31. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Think about that. Let me read that again. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And so how much of that is, is words? You're not just talking about behavior. He's talking about words, evil speaking, malice. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Speak. Don't let corrupt words out of your mouth. He's not just talking about cursing and stuff like that. He's talking about negative words towards people. I mean, I think we need to pay attention to cursing. Somebody said something a long time ago. It's just a, this little side thing. No extra charge for this one, okay? So, <clears throat> if, if, you know, somebody says, why is cussing so bad? People say, what's the big deal about everybody cusses? Well, you know, Peter, to prove that he wasn't a follower of Jesus, cursed. Remember when, when he cursed and said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a follower of Jesus, when he's standing around the fire? said he, his, final, his final thing of denying that he knew the Lord was he cursed. So if cursing was Peter proving that he wasn't a follower, what does that say about cursing? I'll let you figure that out, and you can get back to me later. So, the book of Malachi, I'm closing with this. The book of Malachi is a story of people who changed their words. In the progress, they changed their destinies. You change your words, you'll change your destiny. Malachi 3, 3 uh, 13 and 14, God's speaking to this, these people, and he says, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. So they're speaking harsh things against God. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? And so God's dealing with them about the words coming out. It's useless to serve God. Why am I serving God? Listen, we've all, you know, I've cleansed my hands in vain, right? I mean, everybody's been there. Why am I serving God? Nothing good ever happens. 
And God's correcting them for many things. He talks about the tithe, talks about different things, and he's talking about the attitude of their heart. Listen to what Malachi 3, 16 and 17 says. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on that day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. From your words have been harsh against me to those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. So something happened in what they were saying. Before they were saying it's useless to serve God, God's not this, God's not that. Now he says, those who feared the Lord spoke, they changed their speech. And he says, it changed their, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. It changed their destiny. It changed their relationship with God. All connected to what they were speaking. Let's bow our heads. Amen. Appreciate you this morning. Speech control. Change your words. Change your life. Obviously, this is a sermon that we can preach over and over again, and we'll have another one that we will need in the future. But before we go any further in this service, I just wonder if anybody's here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, perhaps today you're backslidden in your heart, you're far away from God, and you need to be forgiven this morning. You need to repent of your sins and, and, and turn your eyes to him. You know how we come to Jesus Christ as we speak words of repentance. There's a scripture I almost involved in this term that says, bring words, bring words to me. What God is saying, speak, God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Touch my life. Save me, Lord. Deliver me from my addictions. Deliver me from my depression. Deliver me from my bondage and forgive my sins. When we speak those words, it will change your whole life if they're meant from the heart. If that's you this morning, you're here and you... Do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps today you're backslidden in your heart and you need to turn things around. You know your life is heading in a bad direction. You know your life is heading towards a bad way. But you want to get right with God before you leave this place. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've been fulfilling words that have been spoken over you. Maybe there's people that spoke into your life, a teacher, a parent, a, somebody that said, hey, you know what? You're never going to amount to anything. You're just always going to be this. Always. Listen, that's not what God says about you. God has a destiny for your life. God has a purpose for your life. You don't have to fulfill the destiny of word curses that have been spoken over you. If that's you this morning, you're unsaved, you're back, then you need Jesus Christ. Slip up your hand, put it right back down. Slip it up right now. God wants to help you. Church, this morning, this is something that all of us, preachers included, pastors included, the battle of the tongue. I mean, Pastor Warner said, hey, man, if you're a preacher long enough, you're going to say something stupid. And I'm sure I've said stupid things even, you know, here. I, it's just we all stumble in many ways. And one of the ways we stumble, if you're a preacher, is you stumble in your speech. You say something offhanded. You say something careless. You say something dumb. 
say something harmful, and you have to repent, and you have to get things right. But don't just let it go. Don't just think that because you feel the Holy Spirit, don't just think because the rest of your life is right. You're not out sinning. You're not out, you know, being immoral or partying. That you're like, you can just let it fly. You can just speak whatever you want to speak, and you think you're okay with God. I'm not saying you're unsaved, but what I'm saying is like with Peter, you know, he had great revelation. He spoke revelation and great things that were grace to the hearers. And just a, and just a few moments later, he was being used by the devil. And so all of us, every one of us have that capacity. We can have great potential of, of good and righteousness and gifting and all these things. And, and a lot of that can be soured by words we speak in a moment of anger or a moment of bitterness. In our marriages, we can speak things. If there's a time for fighting and arguing, that's okay. That's, that's part of a healthy marriage. But you can speak things to really wound that person and can sink deep, sink deep into their spirit. God says, be careful. You know, when, when you're in that, that heated moment, when those fierce winds are driving you, watch your tongue. Watch what you say. Watch how you say it. The spirit behind what you're saying will make a whole, all the difference in the world. Amen. These altars are open. If you'd like to come and pray, let's stand this morning. Hallelujah.